Hello again, everyone, and War Eagle. Welcome into episode two of the Plainsman Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the two games Auburn played this week in basketball. We're going to talk about the finishing touches that Coach Harson has put on the coaching staff. Uh, we're going to talk about some other news in the SEC. Uh, championship Sunday is today with the Bills Chiefs and Buccaneers Packers, which have already played. We've got a Plainsman poll question for you and a special segment later on. So let's get started. All right, I'm going to welcome in our producer. He puts the pro in producer, Brett Miller. Welcome back for episode two. Thanks, buddy. It's good to be back. He's the man. He's the analyst. He's the legend. Marcus Kilgore, welcome back. Hello, hello, hello. Hope everybody's having a good weekend. Yeah, Monday's staring us right in the face, but it is what it is. We'll enjoy the last little bit of weekend we've got. All right, so let's dive into uh, the basketball Auburn basketball this week. We uh, took on Arkansas Wednesday night in what I thought was going to be a big road win for us. Uh, had a big lead early in the first half, and uh, Arkansas closed the gap right before halftime, and it, it really felt to me like the game was over at halftime and we were not going to win it. it. It just had that feel to it. How about y'all? Yeah, I mean, it. anytime you're up 19 – and um, you find a way to let them crawl back. It uh, it really it's tough. So uh, um, it was hard to watch. Yeah, I didn't get to watch much of that one. Um, I do know that afterwards, Sharif was interviewed, and he kind of summed it up in a quick sentence. He said, "You know, we just played lazy defense. We got comfortable and let them get back in it." I think that's what it boils down to. If I'm, did I get my games mixed up? Were we up big against uh, Arkansas? We were up. I mean, the two kind of ran together. We were big up, uh, up big against Arkansas, right? By nineteen. Yeah, we were up nineteen. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, we blew South Carolina out of the water. Okay, correct. I, I thought maybe I had messed up there. No, we, we were up big in both games, and that was that was kind of you know we're gonna get into the South Carolina game in a minute, but all the players after the game yesterday were like, you know, we had to we had to keep our foot on the throttle yesterday to not let what happened Wednesday happen again, you know, yesterday. So, but yeah, I mean, um, I think something that got exploited in the Arkansas game was, was Arkansas being able to double team Sharif Cooper. I I feel like for the first time, Justin Powell not being in the lineup really hurt us because I feel like with a knockdown three point shooter, that double team doesn't work. Because you can double Sharif all you want, but when Justin Powell is up there and hits three or four wide open threes, you're going to stop that. You're going to stop well, the, the double. Well, the issue team. with that though is, is like, I mean, we have a we have multiple guys that can still hit wide open shots, and Flanagan and Jamal, and I mean even JT Thor. They just it felt like Flanagan just wasn't his self that night, and um, I mean that happens. I mean who knows if if Powell was to be out there and he missed a couple of shots, you know. That's why teams say we're not going to let Sharif beat us. Right. We're going to double Sharif and make the other guys beat us. Right. I mean, that's kind of why, you know, that's why you put the double team in play and see what happens. And for Arkansas the other night, it's what got them back in the game. Yeah. Well, Flanagan definitely struggled. He only had seven points. You know, we only had two guys in double figures, and it was it was Sharif and, and JT, and JT only had 12. You know, Sharif had 25, and it was it was almost like, 
everybody on Auburn just handed the ball to Shreve and said, all right, go get us a bucket. And if, and if he couldn't, it, it felt like we had no offense. And that was that's what was so frustrating to watch is that nobody else really stepped up in that game. And, you know, you hit it, Marcus. We do have other players that can. Um, it, I don't know. To me, it seemed like Flanagan was trying to do too much. But, you know, even, even with all that said, we still had a, a chance to win the game late. You know, I definitely. Mean, we had a good. We put together a couple of big defensive stops there at the end. Our biggest thing, see, like to me, at the end of the game, we could not hit free throws, and that's what cost us that game. Because the whole time I'm sitting there, and I was, um, you know, I'm sitting there counting shots. You know, I'm counting our missed free throws and adding them to our score. Going, man, we should only be, you know, down one right now, and we're down four still. You know, it's frustrating to watch collegiate D1 and an SEC team miss free throw after free throw after free throw. It's tough. Yeah. Well, that, that's that been a problem for Auburn in the past, but not this year. We've we've shot the ball really well from the line this year. but It cost us the game the other night, it, in my it, opinion. It, no, that's you're right, 100%. I mean, Arkansas was just one of those, you know, outline instances where we just couldn't hit the free throws. And um, I, I thought there was a – Listen, I'm not going to – I've never taken a team to the Final Four, so I'm not going to sit here and hammer Bruce Pearl. But I thought that there was a questionable timeout call in between Arkansas's free throws where it didn't allow us a chance to to set up a play. Like, we had to go on our last second heave kind of off of – the maker miss free throw and and luckily the guy from Arkansas made it and gave us a chance to at least inbound the ball but he took a timeout in between the free throws I don't know if it was to ice the kid and set up your play there but it felt like you had one timeout you know I, I don't know I thought it was an odd time to use it in my opinion I questioned it also I just thought that to me if you hold that timeout even if he was to miss it and you take the timeout and it may not advance the ball, you still, you know, if you take it in between, you don't get that, you know, the option to advance at all. Right. So, I mean, I'll question the same thing, actually, the next day. Yeah. But, Brett, anything you want to add to the Auburn-Arkansas game before we move on? Uh, No, I did kind of notice that um, Javon Franklin came in off the bench. He had eight points. And kind of only gave him 11 minutes in the game. Um, I know that basketball is a huge feel thing. So it makes you wonder why he only got 11 points after he hit. I mean, he had eight points. So he was the fourth highest scorer, I believe. And he only had 11 minutes. So why not give him a couple more minutes in the game and see if he can hit a hot streak? But like you said, I'm not Bruce Pearl and I don't don't coach basketball for a living. It's just something I wonder. Well, I think it – I think it showed more yesterday because he got more minutes against South Carolina. So even though, you know, he didn't play as much against Arkansas, I think it showed that he was he was ready to play because he was out on the court a lot yesterday. Um, let's well, move. I mean, 11, 11 minutes is a long time too. And what you have to account for that is you get 11 minutes on film and then the next day, when you go back and look at that film, that's a long. I mean, eleven minutes is a pretty good a time to, oh, you know, let the coaches see you and stuff. And like you just said, Mason, it gave him it gave him some more time yesterday in the South Carolina game. He actually yeah. only had eleven minutes in the South Carolina game as well. 
Well, maybe it was <laughs> 22 just... 22 minutes in the last two games, it sounds better than <laughs> what he's had. Maybe it, was, maybe it was just he was more productive. I don't know. I don't know how many points Javon had yesterday, but it felt like he was making a lot of big plays. So, you know, it, I know he had one alley-oop dunk from Sharif, and I think he had, you know, a couple of big defensive plays. But um, let's move on to that game because it was a lot more fun to watch and talk about. Um, Auburn absolutely could not miss yesterday 109 points earlier in the week Alabama scored 105 against LSU and we were all like oh my god Alabama just put up 105 and then we come out and put up 109 so that that felt good to me but um you know like I said earlier Auburn never let up yesterday and that was the difference in the South Carolina game versus the Arkansas game to me um you know I mentioned that we only had two in double figures of the night we had five players in double figures yesterday and Flanagan as bad as he played against Arkansas he had 24 points yesterday and and led the team so yeah but I just I mean I think a lot of that goes into your opponent South Carolina's not a very good team this year no that's true I mean, they were I mean they were three and four in the SEC going into yesterday and you know when you don't play a high caliber team like that Auburn's a team that if they do get their shots up and they start going in you're going to find yourself in trouble, and that was exactly what happened yesterday against South Carolina. Well, South Carolina's also missing Frank Martin with some COVID issues, so they hadn't had him around the program in a little bit, and that's a pretty big name to be missing, you know, on the sideline. So that that could have had a little bit to do with it also. But, but no, you're definitely right, Marcus. Arkansas is a much better team than South Carolina. But, you know, it, it still felt good after losing Wednesday the way we did the guys didn't just cash it in. You know, they came out and showed out yesterday. So that was that was fun to watch. Brett, anything you want to add on the South Carolina game? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. All right, so we're going to see a ranked team again this week. We're actually going to see two of them this week. Uh, we got Missouri Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. We're hosting. Um, Missouri is ranked 18th, and they're coming in – sitting number two in the conference right now behind Alabama, I do believe. Yeah, that's right. Yes, that's correct. So, you know, it's a it's a chance for Auburn to kind of measure themselves where they are before the big weekend. Um, we play number two Baylor Saturday. The time for that game has not been determined yet. But, you know, we played number one Gonzaga second game of the year and got completely blown out. So, you know, Again, we play Missouri this week, kind of a tune-up before we go to Baylor, and I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and call an upset on Baylor, but I do think it's gonna be a much more competitive game than than what we saw against Gonzaga. I think Missouri's a big game for Auburn because if you go out and you compete and squeak out a win, keep it close, you know, kind of like Arkansas the other night. I think you have momentum going into Baylor. Um, you definitely want to look good uh, your week game, though, because, you know, Missouri's on a three-game win streak right now. They have a really good defense. They only average giving up 66 a game. That's a really low number. Um, but if Auburn at home is very deadly, and if they can they can uh, see that three ball go in and Sharif can get rolling, um, I think we have a really good chance to beat Missouri. And I don't know about Baylor. Baylor's 14-0. Baylor's and 0. Um I mean, that's a really good Baylor team. Yeah. I don't know our expectations going into that game, but like I said, if we if we can squeak one out against Missouri, I, I wouldn't be afraid to call up the upset against Baylor. 
Well, don't forget, Missouri beat Tennessee yesterday. You know, number six, Tennessee, beat them by nine points. And I know that that Tennessee team has struggled the last couple of times out. Florida absolutely annihilated them last week. But, you know, that's still number six, Tennessee, that Missouri went up there and beat beat by nine points yesterday. So, like you said, Marcus, they're on a three-game win streak. Um, Mississippi State beat them by 15, but that was two weeks ago. So, you know, they're playing they're playing better. Um so we'll see what we'll see what Tuesday night holds. You know, we get the eight o'clock game again, so that'll be fun. Everybody loves those. But um, all right. Well, let's let's move on to the football. We actually had some some breaking news today. Right before we right before we started, we lost Tracy Rocker, who just got announced last week as our defensive line coach. He's going to Philadelphia to coach the NFL. Um, I don't I don't really want to like break down what Tracy Rocker means to the team or anything, but I want to get y'all's opinion on kind of what it says that he just left a week after being introduced. What Does that matter to y'all? Well, I mean, a couple things. I think that in this business, you always have to take an opportunity when it's, you know, proposed to you. And I don't think anybody would argue that the Eagles, you know, job a job at the Philadelphia Eagles is better than Auburn. Um and you know, it's not a secret that the college football coaching grind as far as the recruiting trail year it's a it's a 365 day job. I mean, the NFL's not like that. And so you really can't blame a guy for that. Um I think that's one reason why Urban Meyer's probably going to succeed in the NFL. And it's not going to take such a toll on him, but just not trying to get away from that. I'm just saying, you can't blame the guy, and you know, no hard feelings. He took a opportunity when it was presented to him, and let's just, you know, move on and fill him, fill that spot with somebody just as good, if not better. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't blame him at all for going. Uh, you got to do what you got to do. You got to provide for your family. Uh, Mason, I think you had mentioned before that it had been said that he don't like recruiting, so. If that's one of the things that pushed him towards the NFL, I mean, you don't have to recruit. Um, if you're not going to be at Auburn and be a a good recruiter for us, then I don't I don't want to say that we don't want you because you're an Auburn man. But <clears throat> excuse me, but um, I mean, I, I want the best coach and the best recruiter possible at Auburn. And if that's not Rocker, then so be it. Go get one. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just thought it was kind of a bad look on him. But at the same time, you know, like Marcus said, you got to do what's best for you and your family. And Philadelphia is going to pay him a lot more than Auburn was, I'm sure. So, you know, it it is what it is. Um, So that that actually leaves one opening. But before that happened today, we had completed the staff. Um, Coach Harson brought in Burt Watts out of Memphis um, to coach the linebackers, and unfortunately that means that we will not be retaining Travis Williams. Um, that hurts. I love T. Will, man. He was such a great recruiter. But um, what is there anything about Burt Watts that stands out to y'all that, that y'all see a silver lining? Uh, other than the fact that Brian Harson said this guy, can come in and coach the linebackers. I mean, I am 100% on board with the Harson train. I mean, if Brian Harson thinks that this guy can do a great job, I'm good with it. I trust him because of the staff that he's built other than um, him. So I don't think that – I've seen people question it, but at the same time, we gave the reins to him and said, you do it, and he's done a great job. So I'm I'm all on board with it. 
Yeah, I saw a small stat earlier. It said when he was at Memphis this past season, uh, they obviously went eight and three, had a bowl victory. Uh, the defensive unit was twentieth or top twenty nationally in red red zone defense, turnovers gained, and fumbles recovered. So something that's being coached at Memphis is going right. If you can bring that to the Plains, then come on, buddy. Well, another thing about him is um, Harson's familiar with him from his time in the Mountain West. He was at Fresno State for three years, and he spent two of those years as his defensive coordinator. So, and, and when he was there, you know, his defense was in the top ten nationally in a lot of statistics. So that that to me says a lot that we've got a former defensive coordinator coaching our linebackers. That that's a pretty big deal, in my opinion. I mean, granted, that's at Fresno State, and I know that the competition out there isn't, you know, SEC material, but at the same time, it's still a big deal that he was a D1 defensive coordinator. Now we got him coaching linebackers and special teams. So I'm with you, Marcus. You know, we um, when the coaching search was going on, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of rumors out there that coaches weren't going to get the full control and – and when Harson got full control, it was like, all right, that's what we wanted. So you know, you can't really complain when he makes his when he makes his decisions. So um, I'm with you. If if he if that's the guy he wanted, then I'm glad he got him. So that's uh, that's pretty much all that all that's happened in football. You know, since the last time we talked. So um, at least at Auburn, anyway. That that brings us to our next point. Tennessee, man. That is a circus. I know that we went through a rough, rough week after we fired Gus. I know that. And people that live in glass houses should not throw stones. I got it. But, man, Tennessee looks bad compared to what we look. Um, you know, Pruitt gets fired on Tuesday. Uh, they named Kevin Steele the head coach. Familiar face there. Um, I don't know how long that was in the cards, but... Uh, Phil, Mer- Phil Fulmer retired the next day, which I found ironic. And then they yeah, hired. Yeah, throw air quotes around retired. Yeah, there. yeah, for sure. Yeah. The whole uh, Tommy Tuberville retiring. And then Danny White was named the um, new athletic director from, from UCF. So it feels like Tennessee finally made a right decision. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty big name. Um, he's, he did a lot of things well at UCF, but he's taking over a mess right now. I do know that. Um, what do y'all think is going to end up happening with Tennessee or, or what is, what has surprised you about this whole, this whole saga? Uh, personally, just how messy it got, um, and they, how they kind of, um, drug everybody's name through the mud like they did. Um, I think it's just messy all the way around from the top to the bottom. I think it nothing deters players um, more than what's going on there. Um, I think Tennessee, I'm not going to say that they were on the right track or headed in the right direction, but you had players' interest a little, I feel like. But I definitely, I mean, whoever comes in, I don't know if Kevin Steele is going to be the guy or not, but whoever comes in is going to have to rebuild from the ground up. And all I've got to say is good luck. Yeah, I mean, it came out that, and whether it's true or not, I don't know, but they were handing out money in McDonald's bags to recruits, and, and that's unbelievable. Yeah. You're telling me that Tennessee can't find a better way to exchange money? <laughs> I promise you he didn't learn that from Papa Saban. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You got to buy him a mean, Dodge Charger or something. Come on, buddy. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you got to step it up a little bit. 
Yeah, but I did see that the new AD said that he was not uh, even going to start looking for a head coach until he had talked to the players, got their input, and uh, see what direction they kind of want to go. And I thought that was cool of him to say, and if he holds true to that, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, I was about to say that that is cool, but let me look and find my BS button over here somewhere. <laughs> uh, players don't get to say any of that. Hey, those jokers have been through enough already. I think. I mean, I the least they could you, do is get an also, opinion in it. <laughs> the ones that are important haven't hit that portal so fast; it ain't even funny. Yeah, there was an absolute exodus of players. In fact, um, Eric Gray, the key running back for Tennessee, is He's looking at huge. Auburn now. And that, that that would be, be huge. that would be a massive get for Coach Harson. I agree. I, I yeah, think that would awesome probably be his first running back room. Yeah, yeah we just talked about that. Yeah. Um, another one, Big Cat Bryant. You know, he took that tweet down that he was transferring to Tennessee. I don't, I don't think he's coming back to Auburn, but I think it's a big deal that the place you said you were going now you're not because of all this. You know, I mean, to me, it's it's. I'm not gonna say it's funny because it's a kid's career, like you know. But at the same time. You you thought the grass was greener on the other side, and really the grass was on fire. So, Big Cat's McDonald's yeah, sack must have been a little bit light. <laughs> <laughs> it's only funny if who if it's like who was the one who was like steering Big Cat. If Big Cat was truly looking to better himself, but you see names that left where he was and went over there, and you just wonder, you know, if that's the case, then. I don't know that the grass is greener, like you just said. So I guess we'll see. Well, not to uh, not to really kick anyone while they're down. We'll we'll move on from Tennessee. Um, while we're talking about the SEC, I do want to look at the SEC standings in basketball. Um, at the top is unbeaten Alabama at eight and zero, and then we've got Missouri right behind them at four and three. Um. There's, there's still. I'm sorry, Missouri's four and two in conference, not four and three. I was going ahead and counting their loss. They're getting Wednesday night. My fault. Ooh, um, boy. <laughs> but there's eleven games left on the schedule, at least on Auburn's schedule. So, you know, there's time to make up ground. But as good as Alabama's playing right now, they've won nine straight. Um, they beat State yesterday. I don't know that anybody's going to catch them, and I absolutely hate it. I absolutely hate it. I, I saw a tweet from someone earlier this week, and I'm paraphrasing, but it said something like, um, Alabama being good at basketball makes me more mad than anything they've ever done in football. And I, I really couldn't agree more with that. It, it bothers me that they have gotten so good at basketball. But um, I see a lot of 18-19 Auburn in them, where it's defense, it's transition, and it's threes. And – you know, if the threes ever stop falling for them, they're in trouble. And we had that happen to us, you know, a couple times that year. We lost a lot of games late in the season because, you know, our threes wasn't falling. But we got to the tournament, and God almighty, it was just a barrage of threes. So, Well, not only that, you also found yourself against Virginia um, down, like, double digits. And then a couple minutes later, you were leading by two. Right. So, I mean, that's – it is definitely where, you know, live or die. Yeah. Literally. That's true. Um, LSU is sitting behind Missouri in third place at five and three. See, here's the thing about the standings: like Auburn is one game out of second place uh, by by the records. You know, well, okay. So Missouri's at four and two. They've only got two in the loss column, 
but they're ahead of LSU and Florida, who are both five and three because they've got one less loss, but they also have one less win. So technically, Auburn would be two games out of second place, you know, if LSU and Florida were to win. So, but but what I'm saying is, it's a log jam right there in the middle. I mean, there's not but a couple of games difference between first. I mean, between second and twelfth place in this conference. So. You know, if Auburn can get hot and win a few games in a row, they could find themselves right there. You know, obviously we're going to need some help because even though we we may not be able to play in the SEC tournament, we could still win the season championship. Like, we're not ineligible for that. So, you know, that's really all we've got to look forward to this year, but we would need some help from some teams beating Alabama, which, you know, makes me feel better anyway. But... Um, that that would be the only way we would be able to catch them. So the the schedule isn't really that terrible for Auburn once we get past Baylor. You know, we've got Georgia again. We've got Kentucky. We've got the two Mississippi schools. And we end the season with Tennessee and Alabama. So really, we, we still kind of control our own destiny. Even if we lose to Baylor, that's not going to kill us in the conference standings. So right there in the middle with, with Missouri and LSU is Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky is four and three in the conference, but they're not looking good. They uh, they had dropped three straight before winning yesterday. Um, Arkansas and Mississippi State are both at four and four, and then there's Ole Miss at three and four, and then there's Auburn at three and five. So there's there's kind of a rundown of the SEC and how it stands right now. Everybody's chasing Bama, but you know it is what it is. I mean. They they finally got a good recruiting class, and John Petty in his fourth year decided he could shoot a basketball. So I don't really know what else to do about it. I'm going to let the barner come out in me for All a right, second. Come on, that's what we're here for. It would be such a great feeling for me personally for them to land a three or four seed and then the Coastal Carolina 12 seed come out and beat them the first round. There, I said it. Okay, we can move on. It, it, would, be, it would be great. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate that myself. Is there anything else in the SEC either one of you want to bring up before we move on? Uh, no, sir. Hey, not that All I can right. think of. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the NFL. Um, we're gonna recap the game that's already happened, and then we'll talk a little bit about the game that's going on right now as we're as we're recording. Um, the Buccaneers and Packers played early. They had the early game today. Tom Brady is in his tenth Super Bowl. Y'all. Think about that for just a second. He is playing in his tenth Super Bowl. That some list. guys' careers don't last that long, and uh, <laughs> I, I mean, there was no question before this year. Tom Brady's the goat. Yeah, and there's only one goat, and it's him. And listen, I have hated Brady as long as I've been watching the NFL, but there's absolutely no denying what he's done has just been, it's been incredible, really. And even watching today, I was just sitting here like. God, this dude is doing it again. Like, it was, it was, and, and, you know, it wasn't some nobody. They beat the Packers. You know, Aaron Rodgers was, he showed up and played today. And Brady threw three picks and was still able to pull it out. So, Brett, I know that that's kind of been your guy for a long time uh, when he was at New England. So, you you have a little bit more familiarity with, with Brady than the rest of us. But, you know, I, I know that you're pulling for him to do well. But what what's it kind of been like watching that dude's career? Uh, I mean, it's been exciting because it's kind of like watching Tiger Woods in the PGA. You get to a point where you know that you're watching the best player that you've ever seen play a certain sport. And just watching him come out every week, do what he does, 
he's he's the field governor. He puts people in places that they need to be. He audibles and does all this crap. But then you have guys like I loved watching Julian Edelman with him because he made a small wide receiver a super successful NFL receiver while he was at the Patriots. And he's got the goofy guy like Gronk, who he made an a probably a Hall of Famer uh, as a tight end. And I think that he just makes everybody better around him no matter where he goes. And that has been made obvious this year because he went to Tampa Bay and took them to the first playoffs and now the first Super Bowl, I think, in their uh, franchise history. Is that right? No, they uh... – They've been to the Super Bowl, but I think the last time was like it was early two thousands or late nineties. I mean, it's been a while. It's been twenty something years. So, but yeah, I mean that's that's a franchise that has not been good of late. You know they they were picking early first round for a while. Um, you know they got Jameis in fourteen with the number one pick. So or top five pick. I don't know that it was number one, but you know that that's just where they've been is is at the top of the drafts because they've been so bad and then you know Brady comes in I I think the debate's over you know we talked about it a little bit last week but it it wasn't Belichick it was definitely Brady right well just to like piggyback off of what Brett said I mean I think everybody at at the end of last season was debating on whether or not it was Tom Brady or Bill Belichick Tom Brady or Bill Belichick and I'm not saying after one season you can make that you know, say that necessarily just after one season that it was all Tom Brady and none of Bill Belichick, but it goes so much more than ba- uh, basketball, uh, so much more past football. When Tom Brady's got a guy living with him, and Antonio Brown, who really is a guy who has struggled just in his personal life, and Tom Brady opens his own home with his wife and kids and says, you know, I'm going to help you stay on track, and I'm going to help you win a Super Bowl ring. That will be one of the, if they can pull this off, that will be, to me, something that I remember is Tom Brady saying, look, you know, I open your, my house to you, and I'm going to kind of keep you on the right line. It's just an incredible story, and you can have the debate in basketball and baseball and everything, but Tom Brady is the GOAT in football. Yeah, well, I while y'all were just sitting here saying that, you know, I was thinking back to to all the old heads that are on Michael so hard, you know, about him being the best. And 15, 20 years from now, there may be a quarterback. We may be watching him right now. Patrick Mahomes may be the guy chasing Brady, you know, that plays in six, seven, eight Super Bowls. But I feel like we're going to be the old heads saying it. it's Brady. Like, I don't care who or what, it's Brady. You know what I mean? So, well, it, we actually we can hold up ten fingers and say that's how many Super Bowls our guy went to. Yeah, you know, like that's just an incredible number. It really incredible. is incredible. It really is. You know, I mean, the the Jordan heads have have his record in the finals or whatever. You know, that's kind of what they hold over LeBron. But I, I don't care how many times you've lost the Super Bowl. The fact that he's he's been there ten and he's won at six, right? Is that correct? Correct. So I mean. <laughs> Two thirds of the time you've been there, you've won it, and I, I don't know, man. It, it's it really is remarkable. But um, Josh Allen, you know, for Buffalo has has had a pretty tough run to get to where he's at, and if he can get past Mahomes today, you know, he slays some giants to get to Brady. And if he could beat Brady next week, man, what a what a story that would be. You know, he got through Rivers in the first round with Indy, 
and then he took down Lamar Jackson in the second round. And then if he could knock off Mahomes today and Brady next week, think about those four guys he beat to get a Super Bowl. That's that's going to be a pretty legendary run. You got to finish. You yeah, you finish. do. That's that's for sure. But um, speaking of Rivers, uh, my quarterback has retired, so that's that's fun. Um, I think we're in the market for Matthew Stafford. They announced today that they're going to part ways, Stafford in the line. So I um, I wouldn't hate it. I, I like Matthew Stafford. I think that he is severely underrated because Detroit is so bad. I, I think Stafford is a really good quarterback. He plays hard, and, man, he fights. He fights to the very end of every game. It don't matter if they're down by four or if they're down by 24. That dude still wants to play. Um, so I, I would love to have Stafford – you know, come to Indianapolis, the Colts are ready to win. I mean, they don't have to rebuild around him. The defense is stout. You know, we got a number one wide receiver in T.Y. Hilton. The running game looks really good. So, I mean, I don't I don't know what would steer him away from Indianapolis unless maybe somebody could offer him more money. But, you know, if he wants to win a Super Bowl or, or at least contend, I'm not going to say he's going to come to Indy and win a Super Bowl. But I'm saying if he wants to contend, I don't see why Indianapolis – wouldn't be an option. Mason, do you have anybody else you'd rather come to the Colts? No, um, because I, I feel like if it's not Stafford, we're going to go with Jacob Eason, who's already on the route, uh, on the roster, you know, the kid out of Georgia, and I definitely don't want that. So um, Deshaun Watson, but that's not a realistic thing. The Texans aren't going to trade him in the division. I mean, especially to, to your division rival, I mean – I would love it, but that's not going to happen. He's. I actually saw today, however, where he uh he said he would rather be traded to the Jets than the Dolphins. I don't know what's going on in Miami, but that's a bold statement. Now, I don't know that you could pay me enough to go to the Jets over Miami. I mean, just for the fact of the Jets, it's super cold in the winter. In Miami, it's warm all year round. <laughs> yeah, and you're in Miami on the beach, so. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. But but now to answer your question, Brad, I, I think Stafford would be my number one choice for sure. Um, Colts also lost their offensive coordinator to, to Philly. He's going to be the head coach there. So so we've kind of got gutted on the offensive side of the ball. But, you know, I mean, to me, in my opinion, and y'all, y'all tell me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like the coordinator position in the NFL, especially the offensive coordinator position, is – not necessarily that important. Like you don't hear a lot of big names, you know, as far uh, as offensive being an offensive coordinator in the NFL is all but a stepping stone to a head coach. That's all it is. Okay. Yeah, that's all it Matt is. Matt Patricia, yeah. for example. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, they'll they'll hire somebody else, and you know, I I I really do want Stafford to come to come to Indy though. That would that would set up for a fun 2021 season all right so we're going to move on now to marcus's segment it's called the plainsman poll uh marcus is going to ask a couple of questions to to me and brett and then we are actually going to start posting these on our twitter account at plainsman pod make sure y'all follow us there and interact with our um with our weekly poll but marcus what have you got for us this week bud all right on plainsman poll this week the first question i have is which one of these teams um, having new coaches this year in college football, which team do you think will have the most impressive year? You've got Texas with Steve Sarkeesian. 
You have Brian uh, Harson at Auburn, I'm sorry, and Shane Beamer at South Carolina. Which one of those three teams do you think has the most impressive year? Um, I think I'm going to go with Texas. Um, I really like Steve Sarkeesian. Um, he goes over to Texas where there is a lot of money um, to do what he needs to do in recruiting. There's a lot of talent in the state of Texas. I think as long as he can go out, recruit some, you know, maybe get some transfers and uh, roll out his game plan and get some good coaches around him, I think he could have a successful season first year. Yeah, that's the route I was going to go also, Brett. Um, I think at Sark at Texas also, you know, he took a lot of guys from Alabama with him, and that's going to be a big deal, I think. And I, I hate to sound like the SEC homer, but the Big 12 is a lot easier to get your feet wet than being a first-year coach in the SEC, you know, like Harson um, and Beamer. So I think I think Sark and Texas could definitely, you know, bust onto the scene this year with, with the in the Big 12. All right. Well, after we witnessed arguably the best wide receiver in college football ever history this year in Devontae Smith and having a superior wide receiver in the NFL over the last 10 years, the start of the Alabama dynasty, you could argue, who will have the better NFL career as a wide receiver, Julio Jones or Devontae Smith? I think that it is going to depend on who's throwing the ball to Devontae because um, Julio was a really good fit in Atlanta. And even Calvin Ridley, you know, speaking of Alabama wide receivers, he goes to Atlanta and he's played pretty well. But I personally think Julio is underachieved. Um, He's had one or two really good years. But other than that, he's had a lot of average years. And I don't know if that's, you know, product of the offense or if maybe he's just not, you know, as good as NFL receivers should be but I think the thing that will hurt Devontae is his size he's not as big as Julio but um but I could see him being in that Stefan Diggs role where it's a good route runner get out in open field and and get some yards so I'm actually going to go with Devontae yeah I was going to say Julio just on sheer size alone I do wish that Julio had a Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees throw into him his whole career because that would have been fun to watch. I think it might have made his stats a little bit different. But um, I I still think Devontae's going to be successful. He'll be super fun to watch in the NFL. He's just so fast. It's stupid how fast he is. And, I mean, you just throw it up, he go gets it. Goes and gets it. So it'll it'll be fun to watch either way. All right. Um, I'm actually going to shake things up on my end. Um, There were five... Auburn players playing in today's um, AFC and NFC championship games today. Uh, can you name three of them? I can, or if you can name all five, I go can ahead. name all five. I, Brett, can you name all five? No, go ahead. All right. Well, I'll let you name the ones you can name because I, I do know all five of them. Uh, I know the one that comes to my head is Carlton Davis the third. Um, Whitehead? No. No. Hmm. There is another safety on the Bucks, just to, or another uh, secondary player on the Bucks. Uh, that's still I'm trying to think of. Um, yeah, I mean, just to not drag this out, 
I'm just going to stick with him. <laughs> Mason, go ahead. All right, okay. All right, so I've got Carlton Davis and Jamal Dean at the Buccaneers. Yes. I've got um, Montrevious Adams was with the Packers. Yes. Duke Williams with the Buffalo Bills. That is correct. And Prince Tago Winago with the Kansas City Chiefs. That is correct. Thank you, Raymond. Are we really you claiming are. Duke Williams and as an Auburn football player? I mean, he did not oh. play anywhere else. I mean, it's it's. He went straight out of Auburn and then went to the league. So technically, I mean, he went. He, he went and played he not college football. He went and played like. I mean, he I went to the Canadian. He, he went football. to the CFL. Yeah. But and he didn't like, just he didn't, go. He he was pretty much forced out. He was dismissed. He was so. But that's I mean, true. But he's more, you have he's more Auburn man than Jalen Hurts is Alabama. Yeah, and Jalen Hurts is an Oklahoma quarterback. That's what I'm saying. But but Duke Williams is more an Auburn wide receiver than than Jalen Hurts is an Alabama quarterback. And if In you ask opinion. me who Jalen Hurts was quarterback for, I'd say Oklahoma every time, just because I don't want to give him that credit. <laughs> and you say where did Duke Williams play college ball? Everybody's gonna say Auburn. There is no other option. <laughs> there is no other team. That's true. So okay, last but not least, this is not going to be able to be a poll. This will be more of an opinion. Um, I'm anxious to see what y'all say uh, because it's so broad. Um, not a you did not have to attend or not attend. You know, attend or not attending, it does not matter. What is your most memorable sports moment of your life? Uh, I already know mine. I will. Okay, go ahead, Brad. Uh, I was there for kick six. I was in Jordan Hare. Um, I can remember everything about it it i have pictures on my phone videos on my phone and they'll never be deleted so it it's just the biggest memory i have of sports to date of course boston winning the world series or whatever was great but i wasn't there so kick sick definitely takes the cake for me yeah i mean it being an auburn guy man i I think about this often I, i really do if i was if I was a fan of another team, would the kick six be as awesome from the outside looking in? Because, like, for instance, when Michigan State and Michigan had the had the punt debacle a couple of years ago, even as an Auburn fan, I thought that was one of the coolest plays, like the coolest ways to end the game. You know, they had the block punt run back for a touchdown when, you know, all you have to do is get the punt away and you win the game. And and Michigan blocked the punt and run it back. So, like, I, I still think about that game often, and I don't even care about either one of those teams. So, I think about it a lot. You know, would the kick six be as awesome if I wasn't an Auburn fan? But um, just, just to go, you know, away from that, because that's the one Brett picked, I would say my first Auburn game is one of my most memorable. And it wasn't, like, a big deal. It was, you know, we played Louisiana Tech, and it was the 2009 season before cam ever got there so you know we weren't we weren't all that i just remember everything about about my first auburn game and and that was pretty cool um we got there by the time i got in the gates we were actually down three to nothing and um so that was fun you know getting there and having to worry the whole game but we ended up winning handily um chris todd hit terrell zachary down the sideline for the longest pass play in auburn history so being able to say I was there for that and that was my first game, I, I will always remember that. Marcus, I want to hear your opinion on that. What is yours? Well, I was thinking, like, when I when I asked this question, I was thinking about it, and it's it may shock I think it will shock y'all, but if 
what I enjoyed most about thinking about this question was all the sports moments that have given me chills from, you know, just just your hair just stands up on the back of your neck, whether you're watching or if you're there, whatever. But I don't know why. This is really weird. I do not know why. But I was so glued to the Miami Marlins when they lost Hernandez as the pitcher. And I was so glued to the TV that day, the next game after, and they did all the pregame stuff. And, you know, it was just, you could just see the emotion on all the guys and coaches and other players on the other team. And the first pitch of that ball game was a home run by D. Gordon, who had never hit a home run on his first at bat in his career. And the Joker is in tears by the time he's rounded around first. And I was crying. I mean, I was literally crying. And that, to me, I don't, you know, it's not like a the most popular memory or whatever, but I will never remember, never forget where I was and that happening. And it just, the impact that it had on baseball, really, yeah. when that happened. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty good. I, I'm, I'm with you. That was, that was very touching. Um, you know, the Angels had that happen, too, and just a couple yeah. years after that with Tyler Skaggs, you know. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of powerful moments like that, man. We could go on and on and on. Sports just has a way of, of bringing people together, man. It just, it just does. I, that's, that's why I love it. But yeah. well, that's all, uh, that's all we have for playing. Yeah. Hey, if y'all want to be surprised, uh, my second favorite memory, I'm, I know I'm a huge Boston guy, but my second favorite memory is actually when Mariano Rivera, uh, exited his last game and Alex Ray not A-Rod Derek Jeter came out to the mound to get him and I mean he just buried his yeah. head in Jeter's shoulder and cried mm-hmm. and I mean yeah. I was yeah. sitting there watching the game I was crying I'm a Boston guy mm-hmm. through and through but that was something else he was one of the best to ever do it if not the best so watching yeah. him exit was was tough but it was a great sports moment yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, I, I hate to throw a second one out there, but since Brett did, I don't feel so bad about it. Um, watching <laughs> Tiger, watching Tiger win the Masters brought me to tears. This this last yeah. time, good one. Um, I, I, I was literally a grown man crying in my living room when he when he throws throws both fists up in the air. That putter man just it just gives you all the feelings to to watch a guy who was so low come back and be on top of the world again. Man, it's it was something else. So I, I I'm not ashamed to admit I cried through that. All right, guys. So we're going to um, we're going to introduce a new segment this week. This is this is going to be the last thing on the show, but we're going to introduce a new segment called the Tweet of the Week, and it can be something informative. It can be something you thought was funny. Um, it could be a random statistic. I don't care. I just want you to bring something to the attention of our listeners that they may not have seen throughout the week. And Marcus, I'm going to start with Brett. Good. <laughs> yeah, it makes me happy since I told you I still didn't have a tweet at the beginning of the show, but but it's all good. Uh, so the it was Jack Nicholas's birthday this past week, and I've followed golf for as long as I've followed any other sport, really, if not longer. So um, it, I didn't know that he still held some of the records. I thought that Tiger had broken them all, and uh, it it was a tweet by uh, I think it was just ESPN or PGA Tour or somebody. 
but it said Jack Nicholas in the Ricker books. Uh, he still has the most uh, all time multiple win seasons at 18 and major wins at 18. Um, he still he had 73 PGA Tour titles. That's third most. And then tied longest of all time is 17 consecutive seasons with a win. Um, second most top 10 finishes with 286. So everybody's not going to get anything out of that. I mean, because you kind of have to follow golf and like that. But I just thought it was awesome to see that he's still holding some places in the record books when Tiger went. I mean, even after Tiger has done what he's done. Yeah, that is awesome. And I did not know that either. Yeah. Speaking of golf, I um I believe you two had an outing yesterday. Is that correct? How how did you two play? <laughs> I played decent. <laughs> I mean, I was in, I mean, I hadn't been in a while, and uh, I mean, I I hit the ball better than I thought I would personally. Yeah, it was a rough day for me, so we won't talk about it. Okay, that's fair. We've all been there. Well, uh, all all of us do like to play golf on the show, so so if y'all hear us, you know, mention that from time to time, just know that we're out there wasting a lot of money and a lot of time not being that good. So, um, Marcus, I'm glad that to hear I, you had a good... I taught Marcus's brand new three-wood. I felt great about that. I pretty much <laughs> polished it on my shirt for five minutes after I was through. But. Very nice, very nice. Marcus, I'm glad... really glad, Hannah, don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> glad, to, glad to hear Marcus had a good day yesterday. Uh, go ahead and hit us with your tweet, bud. My tweet of the week is not anything sports-related, but it had me cackling. Okay. Um, it's a guy, I think we all know. His name's Trey Kennedy. Um, he, you can follow him at the Real Trey K. Um, but he tweeted something that had me dying. said, nothing makes me hate you more than having your Instagram name on the back of your lifted truck. Nope, not going to follow you, Mutter Man 69 Your squatted truck isn't cool. <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree with him, though. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So, yep. And let me when tell you, you when that... you said find the tweet of the week, I was like, yep, that's the one. <laughs> and let me tell you, you hear that, you see that a lot around here where we live in, in good old central Alabama. So, that's uh, that's funny. All right. So, I actually... Butterman69 had me die. <laughs> All right. So, I actually have two uh, this week. I'm going to cheat. But the first one's going to be a funny one. And then the second one's going to kind of be a, a in memory. But uh, my first one was from Auburn Einstein. Uh, he's a pretty good follow for all the Auburn fans. But he said, when Cal gets fired, he can be the first to go through the Bruce Pearl coaching rehabilitation program. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, my second one, um, we lost Hank Aaron Friday. And that was a pretty big deal, you know, as a, as the home run king for most of our lives, you know, until Barry – Barry Bonds finally broke the record, but um, this this tweet is from ESPN Stats and Info, and it said Hank Aaron made his MLB debut with Milwaukee Braves in 1954 at age 20. On April 8, 1974, he surpassed Babe Ruth as MLB's all-time home run leader, and is second in MLB history with 755 career home runs. The Hall of Famer remains MLB's all-time leader in RBIs and total bases. So that's Jeez. that's kind of just to sum up his career, man. He was he was one of the best to do it, and we lost a legend on Friday at age eighty six. So, um, you know, the Braves family's kind of hurting this week, but Hank Aaron definitely made his mark on baseball. So, all right, well, thank you guys for tuning in to the Plainsman Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us and rate us with those five stars. 
Uh, we're on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you can listen to a podcast. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Plainsman Pod to interact with us and vote in our polls. And until next time, so long and War Eagle. War Eagle.